Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of That Scale RC Show. We are on episode 52 now, and thank you for joining us. I'm one of your hosts, Travis, along with Adam and Jay. How's everyone doing tonight? Doing good, man. Well, I, pretty good. Don't, I was waiting to see who's going to jump in <laughs> Me <first>. too. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, well. <laughs> That's why I did it, to but, just try and put yeah. that all together. Uh, funny. <laughs> so... I, I decided to return this week because I finished episode 51 today and I needed to confront you about some lies you told. Which one of us? You. Figures. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just my luck. It's always me. Yeah. So, this guy's spreading misinformation. Uh-oh. What, so, what propaganda have I been shoveling out there? So you said last week that I drove partway down to Axial Fest, and then you drove the rest of the way, and then you drove the whole way back by yourself. Yeah, the, I drove the whole way back, didn't I? Or did we switch, and I drove Oregon, and you drove California? Nope, so I drove us from Axial Fest to Chico, you drove us from Chico to Medford, and then I finished us out in Oregon. Okay. you took it back over. Oh, so we switched a lot more than I thought. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Iron Man over here. Well, I re- I remember oh. driving down. I remember me driving to Chico and from Walmart and driving all those weird back roads it took us to get to Cisco. Yeah, but I don't remember like how much of that day I drove. I don't know because then I've got like the whole one with Jared and coming back with Jared. I did Iron Man it the entire way home, but that's because he Iron Maned it down there because I had like three hours of sleep the night before getting stuff ready. <laughs> right. But yeah, it's not a fun drive. No, it's not. It isn't. None of it is. We had his trailer too. And that thing was kind of like, I mean, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. He'd been, you know, fixing it up and stuff, but like, it was just old enough and janky enough to where you're like, I hope we can make it. Cause like the doors held on <laughs> with a held shut with a bungee cord and stuff. So we're just kind of stressing. Yeah. It, it made that trip feel about twice as long as it was constantly <laughs> looking back there, making sure that everything's going okay. Right. Oh, that makes sense. And you can't like really haul ass with those tires on those little things either. Cause they're not really rated for, you know, 70 miles an hour and stuff. So yeah, you're, thinking wheel bearings and all kinds of stuff could possibly go wrong so yeah, you guys are probably lucky to make it there at all well i just realized this so the truck has 189,000 on it now i've never replaced a belt on it oh really <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> And so i'm sitting here thinking about driving home from die hard the other day oh. i was like you know i should probably do that and then i was like well really what I should do is get a belt and then get a spare belt so that, you know, things be a little bit prepared if things go south. So, yeah, but yeah, it just occurred to me. And like, honestly, just from the crap that we found with that thing after buying it, like, I kind of feel like it's probably the original belt because the previous owners that took care of it probably didn't really think about those things either. So I'm pretty sure that belt is, uh, got some miles on it yeah that's fair that's interesting yeah but yeah no, well but if you want to hear about miles oh yeah go ahead i'll say if you want to hear about miles 
uh, my 94 just rolled 179,000 miles um, on the way back from the Rubicon to Auburn this last weekend, and I took it out on the trail. Which is rad, because so, no shelf queen. But, <laughs> but uh, I do have to admit, it's on its second transmission and second transfer case. It probably would still be on its first transfer case if it wasn't um, if I would have used better judgment. I that's another thing I need to do. So I need to get the trans serviced in the rear end too. Um, the transmission, I got a little bit worried the other day. It it shifted when I was leaving somewhere, and it was like the faintest little feeling of like a slip when it was shifting. I mean, it it shifts hard anyways because of the programmer, you know, because you can like change your shift points and like how firm you want it to shift and stuff. So I mean, I have it set up to where it shifts kind of firm, but it's like inconsistent sort of when it does that but like something just didn't feel right about it when it was going first to second so i need to kind of be a little cautious of that uh and the whole reason why oh go ahead sorry no i'll just say transmission issues are never fun um in that same truck the 94 me and michelle were going to south lake tahoe like eight years ago now and, uh, yeah, I lost uh, the transmission on the way back down the hill. I, I lost the transmission in my navigator, and we were pulling my 20-foot race trailer on the way back. And it was only about three half hours, but it was like a mountain pass we had to get over and stuff. And so we're out in the middle of nowhere, and I can't remember what this place was it was near mcminnville oregon and we lost the transmission in the navigator yeah dayton that's what it was yeah yeah so that that sucked so tow truck came put the truck on the bed and then hooked up their crazy receiver thing and pulled the trailer to a dealership in salem oregon and then we had to call a friend to drive two hours or whatever it was to come get us and then rent a car to go back. And, oh, dude, it was a nightmare. And the whole reason, like, all of this, like, travel stuff's in my mind because I've just been thinking lately about, like, wanting to get out somewhere and stuff. And we keep talking about going over to Idaho to visit Ty and his family and do some crawling over there um, in McCall and, you know, like, check out Teakin and stuff because we've never been to the building or anything like that. So I was thinking that would be something kind of cool, so... But then all of a sudden these maintenance thoughts started creeping into my mind. And now I'm wondering if it's such a good idea. Well, once you know that everything's solid and it has a good clean bill of health, yeah, what, what can go wrong? True. Yeah, good point. It's just that's going to be a long drive. Not, yeah. not Axial Fest long, but it'll be fairly long. So how much are hey, you? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I'll say, hey, if my truck with 179,000 miles can do it, I think your Ford can do it. It's about 10 years younger than my truck. And you you held back any Ford jokes just then, too. That whole story, everything I said, like you could mm-hmm. have been making Ford jokes and you didn't. You're a good friend, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that was really nice of you. <laughs> I'd be lying if, if, if it didn't, like, you know, Across your didn't mind. pop up in my head. <laughs> <laughs> biting your lip. <laughs> so, uh, so, 
Yeah, so I'm seeing pictures from your Rubicon trip and stuff, and it looked awesome, and it was super, super jealous, and it looked like a good time and everything. How much, like, RC versus one-to-one stuff did you do? Well, so for me, it was a little different. Um, Manny from Lit LED, um, I think alongside with Elio Deanda, put on this event, um, and basically, I think it was they were trying to bridge the gap since they found out that Axial Fest was canceled, at Donner, they wanted to do something, um, and the Rubicon, especially in the Northern California area, you really have the Rubicon and Fordyce. Well, Rubicon is a little more friendlier when it comes to getting your normal vehicles there. Fordyce can be very challenging, so I think they chose Rubicon for that reason, and they were actually turning it into like a camp and crawl. So it was actually supposed to be from Thursday to Sunday, I think. So, like, if you went for the whole time, you would have showed up Thursday, you would have left Sunday. Um, I actually had to work Friday, so I didn't get up there till Saturday. So, to answer that question, I did, like, exactly, I'd say closer to, like, 70 to 30 RCing versus real crawling. Uh, when we first got there, unloaded everything, uh, we hit the trail for, like, an hour or two um, with the RC cars came back, had lunch, sat around a little bit, then went back out for about another hour or so with the RC cars, and then it was about 3, 3.30, and, um, you know, Elio goes, dude, we got to get, get Heavy Chevy out on Rubicon, at least just through Gatekeeper. And I was like, all right, I psyched myself up for it, let's do it. So um, – Took the truck out, went through the trail. Um, it definitely is challenging, um, and that was just gatekeeper. Now I know there's like the trail. I think is like overall like 15 miles or something like that. Um, I technically only did like maybe a mile to a mile and a half, if that. Um, and yeah, it definitely used my sliders on my truck. Um, I had enough clearance since I'm on 37s that no, like, belly dragging issues, no um, bumper hanging on the rear when you're coming off obstacles or anything. So that was good. So, like, to really answer that question, it was more, like I said, 70 to 30. Like, we did – majority of the day was RC. The last, like – I mean, we were out there for maybe half hour, 45 minutes out on the trail. So, yeah, it it was a lot of fun, though. Right on. No, it looked pretty like a good time. I was pretty jealous of that. I uh, worked out at Die Hard this weekend, got there kind of late Saturday, and it was really cool. Brett wanted to get the buildings put out that his uh, dad had made, and so we spent a bunch of time making like little gravel pads and stuff to set them on and trying to get everything positioned right so that when it rains up here, it's not going to like rot the floors or anything in them. So we, we did that and put in some pretty cool like dirt switchbacks and some other stuff. And uh, then we started camouflaging all the bridges because the we we got a bunch of bridges when a... Um, when that King Crawler's shop went out of business, they brought all their, basically their entire course out to us. And so we had this big bridge section that we had just kind of had just enough time to put up last summer and not really do much else to it. And so it kind of sat for, you know, 
most of last year and we spent a lot of time looking at it and stuff and kind of we're just deciding like we didn't like it and we're ready to pull it out because just the more natural terrain looking stuff's cool you know and so that's kind of what we were trying to go for but so many people like driving on them like driving over bridges and little like catwalks and stuff you know that are wooden and stuff so like everybody really enjoys that and so we couldn't we kind of realized we couldn't just yank it out because we didn't like looking at it so we trimmed off all the uprights to where they're all the same height and then we uh started camouflaging everything with cedar branches and stuff and so it's really cool we've got like these big cedar boughs that are like bent around corners where it goes around a tree and stuff and like we spent a lot of time on it but it turned out really cool and it's not it doesn't stand out nearly as bad anymore like the section that we got done really well and thorough um when you're looking at it it just kind of disappears into the hillside behind it so we're kind of on the right track as far as making it look a little more you know not so out of place you know with the rest of the stuff that's out there so that was nice. fun. Yeah, so uh, I went for a night crawl um, by myself, and then uh, I broke something when Marcus had joined me. He was uh, Brett and Brenda's nephew. And so, uh, yeah, it was just kind of like super quiet evening and stuff and just did some crawling and stayed the night out there. Then the next morning we kind of buttoned some stuff up, and then Trav and I spent Father's Day doing some drag racing, testing, tuning, and that was pretty awesome so it's a good time it was a good day yeah it definitely was we got kind of yeah got you a just lot of you just reminded me what's that yeah you just reminded me talking about that um so it was a pretty successful weekend um as far as uh i went out there with the black and gold jk the yellow blazer and michelle's um uh, 2017 JK, the white one that I made to look like her real Jeep. Mm-hmm. And all three cars made it back with no carnage. And my full-size truck made it off the trail and back home with no carnage. Nice. So, yeah, it was pretty fun. I do got to say, we had all the intention to take her Jeep out on the trail but after like me driving the truck through, and I'm on 37, she's only on 35s. Um, I was like, I just, I don't have the heart to do that to that thing yet. I don't, I don't, you know, I just don't want to um, beat it up. I said maybe if we had a little more body protection, like maybe the flat fenders, you know, and stuff like that. But yeah, I was like, it's it was it was kind of rough. I was like, I think we need to work our way up to something like the Rubicon. Yeah, I was wondering if it was the fenders that were kind of holding you back because that that's really what on on hers like that's probably the most vulnerable thing, right? That's really all that's left. We actually flexed it out on a rock um just to see like what it would do. And uh the when we stuff the rear, it goes all the way up into the fender and it just starts to contact it. So I was like those tires might tear those things off cuz they're just the stock plastic ones. So we just were like, you know, we got it here. We did take it, you know, obviously it was in four-wheel drive, and we disconnected the sway bar and all that stuff to drive out onto the slabs, but we just left it at that. We were like, yeah, not really going to 
push it. Because, I mean, we saw some pretty cool vehicles that went through, and then we saw some vehicles that were just going, there's no way that thing's going to make it anywhere. And, of course, it comes back, and it does not look like it did when it left. So you're just like, yeah, <laughs> we might wait a little bit. Yeah. Probably not, the... but... Yeah, I was... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, the only thing I missed out was doing any kind of a nighttime run. Yeah, the night stuff's pretty fun. That's like a whole new... I don't know. <coughs> like, if somebody's wanting to kind of mix things up crawler-wise, like, go on a night run. Like, that's definitely, like, a, a new experience. Like, it's... I don't know. It's just kind of its own cool thing, you know? like get a bunch of people together and you're out and like everything looks different and temperatures are usually colder, you know? So I don't know. It's just super fun driving at night sometimes. Oh yeah. All right. I'm sending you so, the picture of your new build right now. Oh yeah. Another new build. Yep. Another new build. I keep doing this to you, but I wanted to talk about it on here because it is definitely something that you would probably do. Okay, so. Oh, it's a GMC, though. Is that close enough for you? It's still the same family, GM. Okay, good. I wasn't sure how hardcore Chevy you were. Like, Chevy bowtie tattoo or just General Motors in general? <laughs> okay. I no, I'm definitely... Well, hey, remember... My truck before the Duramax was a GMC. Oh, yeah, it was, huh? You get it yet? I sent it to the group chat. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yeah. Do you um, remember that truck? No, I don't remember it, but I, I used to see sweet. it all over Instagram. But he, hmm. the one with the Rockstar stickers, that's got to be kind of an older picture because it had the Rockstar stuff on it and uh, at the time the fenders were cut out just freaking giant I mean just huge more well, like the one above it where it's got the discount tire stickers on it instead of Rockstar well you can also tell that in that other picture it's got Nitto mug grapplers and on this one it looks like it's got Nitto trail grapplers with the discount tire the trail, trail grapplers look a lot bigger too Oh, and he's got, mm -hmm. like, race line wheels on the bottom one and stuff. I don't know. I just thought it was cool because you don't see a whole lot of, like, full-size rigs like yours or this thing. You know, it's like Jeeps and little trucks, you know? Yeah. Well, he definitely has some stuff I want to do to my truck because I still have some vulnerable spots on, especially being that it's a truck. Um, you have the whole issue of when you're coming off of an obstacle you still got to remember you got your hitch and your bumper back there that has got to come down so um th this one the truck you sent me he's got like a tubular bumper with like corner guards and the bed past the wheel well like going towards the tailgate has been cut which is kind of something i need to do like if i if i finish transforming mine into you know more rock crawler off-roading status I need to do some stuff similar to this. That's such a huge commitment, though, chopping the bed, dude. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Well, um, I, ta I, I actually stopped by my buddy's house um, on the way home Sunday, and 
and was talking to him about some stuff, and he gave me kind of a cool idea. It's going to be something similar to kind of like what that corner guard is, um, but he said when you do the bumper, kind of disguise that that's going to be there, and then use the upper part to like chop the bed, so that way you don't really notice it unless like you look down past between the tube and stuff. Right. So he's got some cool ideas. It's just one of those things I, I have to commit to it and just start doing it if I'm going to you know, go that next step. Does a picture of that GMC at least make you a little bit excited to do that, though? Yeah. That thing's pretty sweet. So I could do something like that if I can find that body. Yeah. That, that would be the tough part, that or have Todd print one out for you. Well, the funny thing is, I actually do have a 90s Chevy, which is like, sim- like what's funny is, not 90s, early 2000s, like 99 and mm-hmm. 2000. Um, so it's like funny, when, when Chevy switched over to the more rounded front end, and... Um, same with GMC. GMC kept that same style from like 01 to 07, where Chevy in 03 started changing it a little bit more than how it was from 99 to 03. And then in 04 or 05, they introduced the Cat Eye and ran that all the way till 2007. So it's kind of like Chevy had like three variations where GMC kind of stayed the same from 99 to uh, 2007. Yeah. Have so it's ever... pretty interesting, but I but what I was getting at was I do have a like 99-2000 Chevy body. Um I acquired it in a trade and I just wanted it because it was a Chevy body, but the problem is it's it's a small like I want to say it's like a 112 oh yeah, scale maybe. It's like it's just a smidge small because like okay, I put the standard like four point three five I think was what they were not the small but standard uh, pipples next to it and they still looked like you were running two twos. Oh, it was like ridiculous. So I'm sure like a one five like you probably put a certain one five on it and it would probably still look like you're running like big one nines. Oh no kidding that sucks it's just totally wrong then. Yeah, so it sucks. I still have the body, so I'm holding on to it for now because it's like can't make up my mind what I want to do with it. But, um, yeah. I saw a crazy thing one day up here, and it, it struck me as weird because it had just stock wheels on it, no you know, awesome tires or anything like that. Just total, just nothing stood out. It was just a very stock-looking, uh, You let's see, this would have been a... I want to say it was a Suburban, but they had taken and put the cat eye front end on it. And usually if somebody's going to go to all that trouble, you would see like, you know, like 22s or something on it or, you know, they would at least do something. But like it was like just this totally just stock vehicle, but it just had this super rad unless you, you know, were into that sort of thing, had this super rad cat eye front end on it. And it just it looked really, really cool. It may yeah, have, it well, may actually, have been a Tahoe. I, well, I actually have a cat eye um, body that I was working on. Maybe I should uh, 
finish working on that. That was like supposed to be my first like true scale. I was doing a three link in the front and leaf sprung in the rear. Oh wow. But just no yeah, just never finished doing it. I mean it's one of those things that's still sitting there. Like one of my many unfinished projects. Yeah. So Well we should touch on the fact that um last weekend we took the we took the week off um, last Wednesday, so we skipped an episode. Mm-hmm. And that was because Trav and I went drag racing, and it was pretty rad. It was a lot of fun. So that's why we skipped the episode, but it also gave us something to talk about tonight, though. So that's good. So you guys both blew me off instead of just one of you blowing me off I like know. the previous week. Right. I know all the hate that I get the previous episode. <laughs> and then for him to only go out and do the same thing. And then we're doing this on a Tuesday so that we can go do it again tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. It is really fun. And if if you're listening to this and you haven't you know, really considered checking out no prep drag racing, you should probably do it. If you just even remotely enjoy RC cars, you should probably at least check it out. It is seriously fun we've had an absolute ball doing it well that well it's actually pretty funny so uh highway one rc showed up uh for the event this weekend mm-hmm. at rubicon and um he's like unloading some stuff out of his rig and he gets out of his he pulls out his drag car and i go um you know there's not one flat <laughs> surface around here so I don't know what you're doing, <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, I was just trying to show my buddy. I wasn't gonna run it. And I was, I was busting up. I was just giving him a hard time." We've had a few guys that have talked about putting paddles on them and want to do sand drags, but I don't know if that'll happen. It's all fun till you have to go. And yeah, it all um, I did get some drag, you know, uh, no prep drag stuff in the mail while I was gone. Oh, did you? What'd you get? Mm-hmm. I got those. Uh, I guess I, I don't know what they actually call them. Those the inner wheel liners or the inner tire liners from oh, yeah. RC bombshells. Right. Yeah. So those showed up. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, like it actually like when you look at it, you're like, wow, this is such a simple item, but it makes a huge difference. Well, that's kind if of what anybody we're into is the the fact. That yeah, because those. like if anybody. Yeah, if you know like what happens when you put big power to these tires, um, they start to balloon out, and sometimes like that'll undo the glue, that'll undo you know all kinds of stuff, and it'll actually blow out your tires because you're you know you're trying to run them on the ground, and it's doing that with you know all that power and being like what I call pizza pizza cutter mode, and it like you know balloons them out. And it kind of just destroys your tires really quick. So this item is almost – it replaces, like, I guess the people – because I've, I've seen Tyler do it where you actually um, put duct tape on the inside of the tire. Mm-hmm. And that that's supposed to help. But, I mean, if you go to RC Bombshells and you look – I think he's got it on there or if it's on his Facebook. It's one of the two. But if you watch the video, he's got one tire mounted up on his slash with no – inner um, tire liner and he has one of his on the other side there's like literally almost no bulging when he guns it 
on the side that he has the tire liner on, whereas the side that doesn't, the tire grows like three inches. Interesting, because I was wondering if so the tire it, is still going to grow just, you know, due to its own mass, you know, or if it's just all foam mm-hmm. that's causing it. Huh. It's, no, well, because this liner goes in between the foam, like, so basically you're putting it on the outside of the foam. Yeah, it's like putting a rubber band around your tire foam. Yeah, so, but I mean, it looks promising, so I said, okay, now i got to unglue the rear tires on my uh, drag car and get that installed. Well, I'll let him explain, but this is actually something that we can talk about because it's something Travis is running into with his car right now, and that's the ballooning of the tires, and believe it or not, there's actually, like, in certain circumstances, there can be some benefit to it, but... In Trav's case, it's something that he's trying to definitely, like, work away from, so I'll let him kind of explain. Well, there's not much to explain. It's been hell. <laughs> I mean, really, I, I mean, yeah, the the easy principle is that, like, a non-belted tire, it grows more than a belted, so you gain more mile an hour at the big end of the straight. But if you have a system like mine, which I have the the Tekken RS Pro and the 4.5 Eliminator. You have a system like mine that just puts down stupid power that just absolutely churns through the tires and turns them into pizza cutters, like Adam said. Then that that it becomes a little problematic at that point, and then you've got a car that wants to take off. You've got an airplane. So the benefit of the non-belt, or excuse me, the benefit of the belteds in turn is that you get a much more consistent carcass but you don't get the growth out of it. So you lose the speed, but the car is a lot more consistent. It might not launch quite as easy, though. That's like the other trade-off, too. I'd just um, like to point so out that's you said carcass, and that was super metal of you. Sick. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, yeah, so we were talking about getting belted ones, and, of course everybody's out of them right now and then wheels came into stock and then wheels are out now it's like you hesitate for even half a day and you can't get stuff so this is obviously something that's just going crazy right now nationwide yeah it's kind of crazy what's happening so and just to jump on clarify what's happening with Travis with the ballooning of the tires so i first of all i don't know what people are doing putting some of these systems in unless they have like perfect conditions to run on because a five five and then Trav's four five eliminator like dude they're so ungodly fast like I can't even imagine trying to control something else and you know we're running them at like 85 90 percent so I mean they're not you know these are like turned down you know ESC and motor combos and uh what's crazy is what's happening with Trav's is it's ballooning the tires so bad near the end of the straightaway that it's making the car lift higher off the ground, like backwards on the wheelie bar. And like it gets to a certain tipping point and the sides, like where the doors of the car are that the sides of the body, it gets to a certain point where they flare out sideways and it catches all this wind underneath in the car. Like no kidding. It probably, you probably did what three perfect backflips, like landing on your wheels on Sunday. Yeah. 
Like, yeah. no kidding, like, perfect backflip up in the air, lands on its wheels and tires again and keeps going. It was crazy. But, yeah, like, it gets to a certain height when they're ballooned out, and then it just rips the body backwards, and then that's when everything goes bad. So I think, I mean, really, like what Adam's talking about or running belted ones, that's really about your only option to try and tune a problem like that out. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of looking at really a, a different wing and splitter at this point. This is the unfortunate route that I may have to go Do if we... I can't prevent that from happening. Well, I don't know when we're going to be able to get tires, so I was honestly kicking around the idea of baking them in the oven, and uh, I was going to do the duct tape trick for now and see if that does any good. But we'll Oh, get... I don't know. I don't think it would be. Don't think it's worth the trouble. I don't know if that's worth. I don't think that's worth the trouble. No, I mean it works well enough as it is. Fortunately for me, as it sits right now, is that most of my aerodynamic problems happen after the line now. Whereas when I had the octane body, it was before. So there, there is progress. So what I really need to be doing is the second that I cross the line, I just need to be just full brake and try and lock it up as quick as I can. It's kind of hard to judge sometimes, though. Like, driving behind your car in a straight line is so different than being on a driver's stand. You know, it's like, for me, yeah, I, I feel yeah. like I almost have, like, less control over it because I can't see, you know, the car from different angles. Like, I don't know, it's just, it's weird. It's a really, really different kind of driving. Yeah. No, that is true. But, you know... A lot of new stuff being learned. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know what gets me, though, is, like, I, I'm surprised that the tire didn't grow with those bands. Because wouldn't you kind of think that the tire itself would balloon somewhat, too? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, theoretically. And they're not adhesive uh, or really anything, Adam? It stays pretty, like, it, like if you watch the video, like, I'll... Like I said, if I can find it and share it to our stuff so that way people can see it, like if you watch it, it is insane the amount of difference you see between the two sides. You're like, wow. There's no adhesive is... though, right? No. Okay. It's a 3D printed item. Okay, gotcha. Wow. Well, it's 3D printed out of some flexible rubbery compound. Yeah, probably TPU. That's what the like UC Fab window nuts are made out of. So, but yeah, no, I mean, it's pretty, it's, like I said, it's pretty cool. Um, he's, and I think he said it takes like five hours to print one of those rings. Oh, I don't And he's it. like, it was something he, he said it was something that he came up with. And ever since he's released it, he can't keep them in stock. I know Tim Smith has already ordered some. Tyler's ordered some. Todd Silatero, I think, has ordered some. I mean, all the big names have already ordered them. It makes sense. I mean, it's, so... Obviously, like, this is an RC-wide issue, you know, with having the tires balloon. It's not just a drag thing. But um, a long time ago, I, I haven't seen them in a long time, but MIP used to have these adhesive strips to kind of accomplish the same thing, but it 
was trying to do it from the inside. So on your wheel, you would put this adhesive strip around it, and then you'd put the foam on. So you're essentially like double stick, ta double stick taping the foam to your wheel to prevent it from ballooning. But the way that you're talking, you know, with the ones that, that uh, Bombshell's made, it's capturing the foam, and so it's like containing it rather than trying to like hold it and be continuously having the foam like trying to pull away from it from centrifugal force so pretty much yeah yeah but i i don't it's been a long time since i've seen anybody use the mip things or even those like being offered maybe it just didn't really last there's a lot of good ideas that happen yeah, that flash in the pan I, I sometimes know. yeah well, the interesting thing is now that, you know, these, um, like this inner tire liner thingy has come out, I wonder how many other people will attempt to make the same thing. I kind of hope they don't. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. I The dude's got a great idea. I think it's really smart, and I think that that would suck if somebody else jumped on board and was like, oh, I can do that too, you know. But that's, you know, we see that a lot in RC it's just kind of how it is but yeah poor Tim Smith man uh, do you really want to get into that <laughs> I there was one thing I just wanted to touch on and I you know I don't know if this will even we're resonate into that. <laughs> what <laughs> no, we're getting into it yeah, it's... well yeah, go ahead okay I just wanted to touch on the fact and like hopefully this will resonate with people NPRC is an organization and they have their established set of rules and they make changes to the rules and it's all voted on um, you know by a, a committee of many people and uh, there's like what 60 NPRC chapters you I don't know probably more than that now I, I'd have to look yeah so I mean I guess I can not but close to that to be an mprc chapter you have to abide by their rule set okay and the benefit of that is that if you travel from race to race everybody's got the same set of rules you know it's you don't have you know sauce allowed at one track and not the other and you know um pro mod bodies versus you know normal like you know street eliminator style bodies so it's trying to keep some continuity for people that want to race in the hobby and plan on going to different areas. Cause I mean, that that's kind of part of the appeal is like, Hey, let's go check out, you know, the whatever guys and see how fast they are compared to our local group and stuff like that. And so it's, you know, it's something that kind of levels the playing field. You don't have to abide by those rules. If you don't want to though, like you don't have to be an NPRC chapter to do your thing and have fun. Like it is just a sanctioning body and a set of rules to keep things consistent for guys that are taking it seriously and they want to travel. If you want to allow three S batteries at your local track or whatever, big giant wings and you know, that's fine. You guys can do that. No one's telling you that you can't, you absolutely can. It's just, if you want to be part of that organization and fall under their banner then that's the rule set you abide by. Um, I think they're really good rules, personally, but it 
it's not you can still okay, well, go ahead i think you need the background yeah because there's something for this okay so as as jay mentioned before the nprc rules are proposed and voted on by a committee of people it is probably close to 60ish people okay like this is all a very big community effort through the people involved in this group the people involved in this group are the people who represent their respective chapters of the NPRC okay so it's not just the Tim and Tyler show and they're making their own rules that's and that's not what's happening i know this because i'm one of those people voting on those rules so there is a rule set that is coming out very soon. I don't have a timeline on it, but the rules are changing. And these rules came up for vote very recently, this whole rule set. Okay, and like for one thing that like really bugged me is that this is like this group is a private group for a reason. There's only one person from each respective chapter in this group, and it's a private group, a private discussion to discuss the rules privately until they became the official rule set of the NPRC. All right. Someone decided that they wanted to leak those rules before they were ever officially closed for voting. Someone leaked them to someone out in um, I don't remember. I don't know what group it is, a seven oh seven or something. And I don't even know who the guy is, but apparently this has been a big saga going up to this point. And claims that all these people are contacting him about Tim Smith's new rule set and that how it's it's you know trying to make things easier for him because he's slow and he can't win and all of this and so you know Tim's rules are ruining drag racing and no prep for everyone around the country and just all this absolute garbage okay now the thing is, is like when people are upset and you'll see like when these rules come out is that like we are having to get more specific about things because if you give people a vague rule set, what happens? They abuse it, and a lot of stupid things are starting to happen, like uh, body modifications that shouldn't be happening and things like that. Okay, so we tried it the simple way. Now we have to get more specific because we're trying to keep the purity of the no-prep RC racing. Okay, so now there's a lot of discussion happening in this particular group about people being upset about this and saying, well, we can't do this and we should do that. If we're going to have this, we need another class and everything else. I'm just like, look, just like you touched on, it's like, look, the NPRC is a rule set. No one said it had to be the rule set. Okay? I enforce NPRC at our track locally because there are four chapters within, like three or four chapters within four hours of us. Okay? And we have a cash days coming up on the 11th from the South Seattle group. Okay, they're, they're hosting one. So it benefits us and everyone else around us if we're all in the same rule set. Because then we can go to each other's tracks and be competitive. If you're going to someone else's track and raising pro mods, you know, they're racing pro mods there essentially. And all sorts of crazy aerodynamic stuff is happening and different car rules and things like that. And there's not even a good class for yours to fit in. Well, then how is that going to work? Why, why did you even go? You wasted the trip. Okay? And then those guys can't come to whatever events you hold. If you hold a cash days or they just want to come visit your local track on a, like a weekly race, they can't show up and be legal at your race. Okay? So it makes sense. Now, if you're in the middle of Montana and you're the only drag racing group in Montana, then 
it's completely up to you if you want to be a part of the NPRC or not. You know what you lose and what the NPRC loses if you decide to not be an NPRC member? Absolutely nothing. You can do all of the things that you want to do and all the things you're complaining you can't do. You can do those. You just won't be an NPRC track. That's all that means. So I don't understand why... Number one, I, number one, I don't understand why we can't just keep something cool the way it is and yeah. not just tear the ass out of it. Like, we have to somehow ruin it. We have a great thing going, something super easy and simple that, you know, we tried to keep racers, you know, keep racers responsible for themselves and for their scene and people couldn't be held to that kind of accountability, so now we have to do what we're doing now. Yeah. So... If you don't like that, that's fine. Just don't be an NPRC track. Yeah, and I mean, don't expect to show up to an NPRC event and be legal. It's that simple. Like, I, It's a really simple thing, and it's a really stupid issue. And honestly, like from what I've been seeing, this guy's had it out for Tim for quite a while. So, you know, it's just, this is just part of that. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just it's it's silly to me. It's well, silly that this is even an issue. Yeah, it should be just such a common sense issue that it's just not even a discussion. You know, it's like, well, you know, if you guys don't want to adhere to them, fine. You know, and as you explained, you know, this is you know what you can expect if you don't. Which whatever, you know, if you want to race four wheel drive slashes at your local track on three S batteries, then you know, and sauce your tires, or go right ahead. You know, I mean, like Trav said, you're not going to be a NPRC track, you know, if you're not using their rule set, but that doesn't mean that you can't go and do your thing and have fun. I mean, it's just, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's no one to say it. Yeah. yeah, it's such a goofy thing to even be upset over. And like the claims were just, that he was making were so outlandish. I mean, it just, I don't know. It, it had hungry for attention written all over it. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I guess it's been something that's been going on for a while now, but I mean, it's just, I, I don't understand it. Like, I just feel bad it for doesn't Tim, have dude. to be one way. <laughs> like, he just takes yeah, such I, a I, I beating do. from everybody, you know? And it's like, I, I, I just, I don't understand the whole internet philosophy of, you know, I'm this anonymous person and I can pretend to be the smartest there is about whatever field if I feel like it because it's virtually just all presentation at that point, you know. So it's like, why why be the guy that, you know, wants to be the know-it-all and stuff, you know, when there's people out there that clearly have more experience and it just, I don't know, it's goofy, it makes no sense whatsoever. It's a strange thing. But anyways, yeah, that's what's going on. So. <laughs> yeah. But... that's That's it. Yeah, locally, you know, like you said, at our area, we use that rule set, and what's awesome about that is we can go and race at other chapters, and our cars are legal, and they can come hang out with us, and their cars are legal, and everybody has fun that way. I mean, it's super, super simple. But Yeah, yeah, I mean, people may not like that, you know, I'm, I'm imposing the rule set of a of a big, you know, like a big rule set and we're not tailoring it to ourselves, but I mean, it's just, I, this is to benefit the community as a whole and that community is beyond our track. Well, I think this so is, a, I, I don't, 
I think it's a good time for these changes to be made before guys get super enthusiastic and start throwing money at a bunch of stuff that they're not going to be able to well, use. Well, that's what's happening. That's what's happening. People are starting to get really creative, for lack of a better term, and that's what spurred this on. And Normally, the NPRC rules are supposed to be changed annually, but with the delay in racing this year and that there's still a lot of races to be had throughout the rest of the year. It just it benefits everybody if this rule set is out early oh, yeah. and spread and everyone abide to this. Especially, yes, yeah, before people start throwing money at stuff. And well, because I, I all just, of a sudden their cars they're going to be bummed, understandably. And that's oh, why yeah. I really can't wait for this rule to come out because I know we got a lot of people in our group alone that are chomping at the bit to do stuff with wheelie bars. And it's like I I can't tell you what what it's going to be, but I. I would strongly recommend against doing whatever you're about to do. Yeah, just, just until you read. Hold off, yeah, and you know, and it's to prevent. Can't that well, and it's to prevent any kind of blowout too. Like the sooner that we have that established rule set at our track, because of like our local scene is growing weekly, it seems like, and so you know, before anybody's started to build stuff and then someone, you know, the race director has to be the bad guy by saying, Hey man, I'm sorry. You know, you can't run that because it doesn't fall within the rules, you know, then that person's upset and they don't want to come back or whatever. So, I mean, it's rules are a good thing to have and it's to prevent hurt feelings and, you know, blowouts and stuff like that. So, and I guess I should disclaim that before I scare anybody and they're starting to wonder if their car is going to be illegal now, it's not like a huge restructure to the rules. There's just a lot more um, specifications and nuances that you have to follow. More just restrictions, really, as far as what you can and can't do with a car. That's what it's coming down to. Like, it's it's not your your normal NPRC car is not all of a sudden going to become illegal, so don't don't worry about that. Yeah. But... Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, I, it, the sooner this comes out, the better. Um, but like I said, there's this whole discussion going on right now about all of this that is is putting a delay to that. So we'll see, but hopefully we find out soon so that way everyone can kind of get their ducks in a row and figure out if they're going to be an NPRC track or not. Somebody had reposted that Tim post to the diehard scale page and i took it down and it was just like no we don't need that kind of drama here <laughs> you know no one's talking about no, it we don't need no. to post it to try and create the discussion so if anyone's wondering why I del- it was um, why i deleted it that's why because we just we we don't need to beat that dead horse all over again yeah someone someone in that group sent it to me and then i sent it to tim so I don't know who like where it originally started, but eventually it made its way to Tim. But my favorite thing is that in the guy's post, after like basically just calling Tim out for everything and anything, for being alive. Bottom, <laughs> Why do you exist? For being alive. <laughs> at the bottom of it, the picture is the "Run Your Car, Not Your Mouth" logo, which is comedy. Like, yeah, like that's just wait a second. Iron plate. Yeah. <laughs> Runs mouth. I thought that was super funny. Well, the dude spelled yeah, damn you everyone D-A-M-B. <laughs> so damn. that I have never yeah. seen spelling like that. That killed me when I saw that. I thought that was great. I was like, D-A-M-B, huh? <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, oh man. Yeah. The mental midgets of Facebook. Oh. 
<laughs> you we know, have some we questions. Could probably, we should... Okay, real quickly, and then we'll get oh, to the yeah. question. We could probably market on that. Um, could probably come up with, like, on your little scale sticker things. We can do a drag series, and we can do hashtag blame Tim Smith. That would be great. Uh, <laughs> I already have one bumper that. sticker that says you were faster on Facebook. So we can add some other stuff to that. <laughs> well, I mean, like, it is ridiculous because it's kind of like the same thing. I had a guy actually up at the Rubicon was talking to me about he wants to start making a class two rig. And I, and I was just honest. I said, you know, that whole thing, class one, class two, class three, whatever. I said, you can call it whatever you want, but if you're not going to anything that is a Sorka event, there's no need to follow any of those guidelines. Yeah, like, unless you're trying to do it for yourself. Yeah, just like, I was trying to make that want. clear. Yeah, I was just trying to make it clear because I was like, just because you call it a class two, it's like, if you, all you do is go hit the trail, why are you going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm going out, you know, trailing with my class two? Well, you know, I, that's cool. You're labeling it that. You know, people can understand that that's the, you know, I guess the base of your build that you, you know, or the parameters of the build you tried to stay in. Um, but, I mean, if you're not really going out and using it to that, you know. Yeah, no. I'm I... trying to think of the word to say. Like, you're not, you're not using it to its full benefits. So it's kind of like, why are you sticking to a parameter that, you know, really yeah, doesn't pertain to it? You're putting your build it's in the box of... that way when you don't really need to. I mean, it's, you know. Which is, like I said, when I was listening to you guys talk about it, it's like when we did the drag racing down at JJ Customs, I made it clear in our, our rules that we will be following MPRC rules. That was it. It doesn't mean that if you um, if your rig doesn't follow MPRC, you couldn't come out. It just meant if you wanted to race for the cash prize, you couldn't if you weren't MPRC, you know, in the guidelines for that. Yeah, we kind of fought that early on with people wanting to like race their Arma 27s buggy against no prep cars and stuff and like it seems like that's kind of started to die down which is nice you know we're not like having people not really understand what the essence is of the whole no prep thing but like what what the one of the things that i like about these rules happens to be what i hate about sorka is it we're, they're trying to maintain the purity of it you know like no pro mod bodies run Street Eliminator bodies, you know, like keep it realistic looking, don't dilute it. And that's the direction it's going and people don't want to see it lose that purity and that scale realism that made it attractive in the first place. And that's kind of the thing that I don't like about Sorka is like the class two and class three rigs do not look realistic whatsoever. Like they're built according to a rule book and they, you know build it exactly to these rules so that they can get their maximum amount of points before they ever drive the thing. And, you know, they're just these little tiny bodies and everything. And like, it just, it looks stupid. And so that's what I'm hoping doesn't happen. And I think that's what everybody's big push is. We don't want to see that happen and lose that realism that we have with the no prep stuff, because that's, that's what makes it cool, at least for me. You know, if it turns into cars that all look like Arma spaceships or something, then, you know, I'm not going to be into it and I'm not going to want to do it anymore. You know, it's the same. 
thing that drew me to scale stuff and you know it's i don't know well i, just I mean, don't want to see that go away the best way the best way and this is really where i'm just going to leave it the best way to describe it is it's like look at the uh, what is it nra nrah or nrha whatever the heck the you know and i'm probably going to get a lot of flack for not knowing it but um you know the the real oh, racing NHRA. rules yeah, there you go. NHRA. I knew I, I knew I had the four letters there. I just didn't know. There's which, a lot of acronyms in our world, dude. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's like if everybody that wanted to run one of those events, if they if they started like complaining, you know, it's like, then why are you trying to do it? If you want to create your own thing or want to do it your way, that's fine. Just you know, do it with your stuff and say, hey, we're having an event and it's run with your bronco. It doesn't matter what it is and this is what it is. If you're coming here, we're going to be following these guidelines and that's it. I mean, basically what it's come down to is, and I've said, and I've kind of thought about this for a long time, Facebook should rename their name to My Soapbox because that's really <laughs> all it is. Everybody gets on there. They say their opinion, which is fine. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Just don't expect anyone but just to remember care. it that's what I'm saying it's your opinion not that it you know not that it matters just like us we're doing this show these are our opinions it doesn't mean that we expect everybody to agree with us yeah ex exactly no it's I don't so, know it's just silly the whole thing is so silly I just hope that it stays scale yeah. that's my thing I just want it to stay scale yeah yeah me too if well, if this all goes through correctly, it will. So, which is rad. I think that. Fingers be crossed. Yeah, definitely. Fingers crossed. All right, questions time. Yes, let's do it. All right, we have lots of them. Do we really? That's what we get for yeah, skipping a week. Yeah, I guess so. A lot of people are waiting. All right, so this first one is from Andre Campos. No question that GP posted with the gold roll cage is awesome. Is that fool's gold? Question for Adam Dean. Interesting. He said, no question, but it was a question for me. Um, yes, that is Fool's Gold. Um, that is the nickname I gave it just because it was uh, a lot of fake gold on that rig. Um, <laughs> the wheels are powder-coated gold. I spray-painted the roll cage with gold spray paint, and when Jay did the wrap, he used a gold flake. So it wasn't like it was actually gold, so I called it Fool's Gold. thought it was kind of clever, but yeah, that's that Jeep. Because gold is nice. your jam. Mm-hmm. Well, it's cool. Well, it's no, cool. Wait till you see what your capper is going to look like. <laughs> oh, man. The thing I showed you today, that's perfect for your capper, dude. Well, hey, whenever you want to get it done. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, Dylan Hunter, I know I sent this in message, but just checking to see if you have plans for a show or video idea. Do a basics on tuning, or oh, this is the idea. Do a basics on tuning for people new to the crawling scene, like what a larger pinion would do or a smaller spur. Why you choose oil weight or no oil. Type of shock setups like droop setups, the over slash underdrive stuff like that could really stuff like that that could really spark the newer people on that stuff. I wouldn't say go super in depth, but like saying a smaller pinion 
gives more acceleration or a five-slot motor is more torquey than a three-slot. And maybe an example of when it would be good to use either or. You know what I mean, or did I do a bad job explaining LOL? No, I think that's great. Not a theory. Yeah. No, we don't. Um, we well, I mean, should. no. He, he, yeah, he explained it well. The only thing I have to say about it is, I mean, realistically, what he's talking about is on YouTube already. Um, I mean, if people want to see us do it, that's one thing. But, I mean, that's kind of why, you know, I kind of stay away from some of those, like, repetitive videos because, I mean, there's so many videos on YouTube that if you just start searching, you'll find a lot of this stuff. But, I mean, if you'd like to see us do it, I guess, yeah, we could possibly start something like that. Yeah. I mean, reason I I haven't really done a whole lot of tech stuff. I mean, like our last SOR live broadcast, we got pretty technical with things, but I don't know. It just part one of the things that takes the fun out of it is, uh huh. Yeah. With the EPX, we were talking about oh um, geometry and stuff. And, you know, I mean, we, that yeah, was probably a little right. more advanced, you know, because we're talking like link geometry and stuff, but, um, I don't know. I just I haven't done any of the basic stuff just because there's always some dude that's gonna oh you're wrong that's not you know so it just seems to invite argument so that's why I haven't bothered with it so nobody's gonna listen anyways <laughs> you're gonna tell them what to do and they're gonna go do the exact opposite anyhow so <laughs> well there's that yeah. oh that reminded me I did something new with my radio this week that I wanted to kind of talk about as well oh yeah. Uh, yeah, let me touch on that just real quick. Um, I made that video of a couple weeks ago now talking about changing the R mode or the throttle profile on my radio so I could kind of make like a mock transmission of like a two-speed. So with the old Gen 4 modified 5.5 motor, I had it set up as an 85% and then 100% is what I set, you know, throttle profile 1 to 85 and then I kind of shift onto 100 well, the Eliminator is a hell of a motor, so I had to really bring all of that down. So I set it to four profiles instead of two, and I have it set up at 65, 73, like 65, 73, 80, and 88 is what it's all set up at now for each one. So I click it, you know, you know, into second, into third, into fourth, and then back to first again pretty much. That is, so is cool. how I'm doing it right now, just to keep my car, you know, not throwing too much power down. If I got a good hit, you know, it's kind of nice because then I can kind of gauge if the hit feels good enough that I feel comfortable shifting to the next one. Because then all of a sudden, you know, it, it's I don't want to say it's like a it's a burst, but the the power doesn't like ramp up from that point. It just appears, you know. So you can shift up, and sometimes then when you shift it, your car will lose lose it a little bit. Excuse me. So, um, which I might even be able to prevent that too, but it's kind of nice that you can sort of bail out and keep a good run together and not throw it away because you were trying to throw too much power down. So I, I did like that. So that helped me a lot. So maybe I need to update that video or make a part two or something kind of explaining what I'm doing. Maybe I need to do that at Die Hard. You should because that, but, that's actually really cool. Yeah, next time we go out for a test in tune, then maybe I'll do that. Yeah, that would be pretty neat. I would, I'd definitely be down to help you with that. 
I can't believe the power of this yeah. stuff. That's what gets me. I mean, I saw a guy today, the DR10 page, like if you're looking for some like entertainment, go to the DR10 page because it is wild these days. <laughs> there's there's a dude there that has a 2.5 that he's putting in his car that he's running on a 3S and it's like, I don't know where he's racing, but more power to him. But I mean... Oh my God, I can't even imagine. Like, my car's got that Gen 455, and I have the thing turned down to 85% just so I can drive it. And that's on a low grip surface. So, I mean, it's, I don't know. It There's that. There was another dude today who had like stripped out gears in his transmission and stuff. It's like, what are you guys doing? Like, there haven't been any transmission failures that we've seen at our track. Yeah, I haven't seen anything. Yeah. yeah, no. You know, like, what, a, a spur gear or two, I think, is all that's happened so far. There hasn't been a lot of carnage at all. You know, like, I just, I don't know. It just kind of surprises me the problems that people have. And just like, my God, what are you guys doing to these cars? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I guess the next question we can move on to. Um, this is a good one. I've been waiting for people to ask this for a while. So that, uh, Donnie Clark asks... Why is it the Viterra Ascender platform doesn't get the love that the others do? Also, why does the Suburban get scrutinized for its scale appearance? Because it looks silly. Oh, you were nicer than I was. <laughs> it looks like somebody put a Hot Wheels body on a 10th scale truck. Okay, here's the I'm, problem. I'm missing something here. What body is this? It's the green Viterra the RTR Suburban. It's like mm-hmm. It looks like a hearse the is what wheels, it looks like. The wheel wells? are ginormous yeah. if you look, look at the hood line to where the front wheel well is it the wheel well arch goes almost all the way up to the hood line it's like what <laughs> i don't know that's, that's my dude it's bad it's really bad like you look at the axial oh, blazer man. and c10 body which is like really accurate and then you look at this thing and you're like what were they thinking i mean well, it would yeah, have it like 77 inch tires on it if it was a real truck like it's just wow terrible. It's when it's bad. Okay. Year or so ago. Is it even a This is not new. Okay. Vite- I don't know what's going to happen with Viterra, just because that is definitely well, like the red stepchild to Axial. Well, that's why I was like, I was waiting for someone to ask about it because there was a time where like you went out, we went out calling to Cap Sani, and it was like it was the OG S the uh, OG SCX, and the ascender and the ascender would kill it dude the ascender's a like, solid oh. rig like set up right the, the ascender was a capable rig yeah yeah like they they were really really good yeah. the problem is it's just the scx 102 was all of that and more and that's why it took off basically i mean yeah the chassis um, mounted servo i can't remember if the viteria has a high a high pinion or not i don't remember yeah. I mean, really, like, what, what I would just assume from this point is that Viterra's dead, at least in the crawling world. Yeah, their drift cars and stuff you know like I mean? that may continue. But it, this is purely speculation, yeah, too. It, I mean, we got to point that out. Yeah, it is, but it, does, it also doesn't make a whole lot of sense to have them continue to release the senders while they've got Axial going. I mean, they would want to... Yeah, they, they, they have been and are going to continue to try and make Axial, you know more imposing so yeah i mean and you don't want to sell against yourself that isn't smart you know well yeah 
Yeah, you don't want to tell against yourself because yeah, then we have three thousand ascenders, and <laughs> we knew that they were less superior than the axial rig, but we're going to do it anyways. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. So I mean, I, I guess I could in their you know, time find out. In but, their time, they yeah. were the shit. They were a good truck. No, they were. They really were. It was. They were. So, you know, out of the box, some of the most capable rigs I'd ever seen. Yep, for sure. Um, yeah, but I I can't imagine we'll ever see an ascender comeback. Especially I'd be after pretty that surprised. Body. That body would be a huge comeback if they could bounce back. I've from never that. seen. That. <laughs> it's bad. I've never huh? seen that body before. I can't believe that. But what really hurts about it is the fact good. that they have all those injection molded pieces for like the grill and everything, and it's got lights. Like they put a ton of that's effort into something that's terrible. Yeah, they put a ton of money into the development of this body and the manufacturing of it. Like, this is not cheap. And, the th and I, there were so many things that were wrong with it instantly. Like, when I was laughing about it, I couldn't even pick out, like, one particular thing. It looks like, like a hearse, thing was dude. <laughs> it's a lifted it hearse. Like <laughs> yeah. Paint it flat black and, like, a coffin on the side and some upside-down crosses, and you can have your goth crawler. That's about all I, that it looked thing like, good for. Yeah. Like, I don't know. That but its existence is unfortunate, really. That's just what it comes down to. <laughs> That's the nicest way of saying something horrible that I have ever heard. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> well, Donnie, I hope we answered your question. Sorry so, if well, it wasn't what you wanted to hear, Donnie. If you have it and you like it, more power to you, dude. Don't listen to us. It's like, what the hell, man? <laughs> this is just our opinions, uh, and it, we are well aware that our opinions only matter to us, and that's it. Yeah, but at the end of the day, this is that scale RC show. It is, and at the end and, of the day, you're the one looking at that ugly-ass truck on your shelf. <laughs> I want, well, I'm not even sure my rack is long enough for that trip. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I can fit it on my rack here. Oh, yeah. You know, not, mm. not, not every, not everything's a 10. <laughs> yeah, we better move on. Um, Scooter Scott, he asks, do you have man's best friend, dog? If so, do you take them with you when you go on a peaceful trail run? No, because my dog died, so thanks for bringing that up, Scott. I really appreciate it. That's exactly what I wanted to think about right now. No. He's like, I'm kidding. Yeah, I know. I don't think our dog would have had the attention span for it, but... I don't think he would, well, he would have cared. and just would have stayed there. Yeah, yeah I mean... I, um... My dogs are far away from that, so... I would actually pay money to see you try and drive a crawler course with your two dogs' leashes attached to you. I could do it with Teddy. I could not do it with Jake. Jake's yeah. just shaking, scared shitless of this RC car. Poor Jake. Yeah, I know this car's moving. Dude, what the hell? <laughs> what is this? Why is it making those noises? He already doesn't like the drag car. I mean, it looks menacing, so I can't blame him, but... It does. It's a baby eater. Yeah. Yeah, no, probably not ever, given that it's just, yeah, it's just not, not going to happen. And Adam, you don't have a dog? 
No, I do not. Okay. Surprises me. What kind of dog would you Why have? Why does that surprise you? Adam would own a pit bull. Oh, yeah. You would yeah, have a pit bull. Yeah, no. I, you can't. No, I wouldn't. Dude, I couldn't picture you with, any, <laughs> with, with like, the whole, like, flat bill hat thing and everything. I cannot picture you without a pit bull. Are yes, you the flat bill hat is the giveaway. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's, okay. Uh, sorry if that offends anybody, but that is like one of my least favorite dogs because it's almost like a, you know, it's like a, oh, go figure. Everybody's got, you know, some sort, some form of pit bull. They, they've been worn out. They're not cool anymore. No. That's not true. I don't know. Ours was, what, half pit and half boxer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we didn't, you know, like take bro pictures with him with spike collars and shit. Like you see, put yeah, no. I I used to work with a guy that was like totally like that, and it was just, it was the most cringy thing ever. Listening to him talk about it that way, I'm just like, man, like, did all he wear doing was this for all the tan dickies and a wife beater? Tan dickies and a wife beater. That's what tall every, socks and <laughs> that's what pit bull owners wear. Pitbull owners wear black socks, Adam. <laughs> or white tube socks. Yeah, no. Honestly, there, I mean, um, there is, it should be generally sus, like specific, or you should be aware of people who wear white tube socks around you. If you are near those people, you should not be near them. With shorts. I wear should I not be around myself? I wear white tube socks with shorts. Do you both really? <laughs> Dude, I have my Actually, I don't wear white. Really? Yeah. No, I wear black. Okay, black's fine. Now, yeah, black's now fine. I have black. like black and gray, but I mean, I've worn white tube socks with shorts forever. <laughs> but now I wear like gray or black Stand. are kind of my new favorite thing. Yeah. And I actually wear long what? socks to try and hide my leg, actually. Because it's deformed, so that's part of the reason. <laughs> so. I have like these really tall white ones I got from basic training that are Fine. super sweet. So I make sure I, <laughs> I wear them. Like I have to actually go. Are they herringbone thigh highs? Yeah. And they gave you one of those like super like butt crack sweaters that the girls wear on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> with your thigh highs that's cute trav yeah no no i didn't get all that i just got that was I just the... got my knee high my knee high white tubes and my new balances and new balances that was it and a, pa and a pack of cools and they ship you off to war there's <laughs> <laughs> air force we're a little higher quality <laughs> okay skull skull bandits yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, man. See what you've been missing, Adam. We have to do this show. Hey, you guys are the one that bailed on me what? last week. Reference to us. I'm just making sure Adam appreciates our humor. And if he doesn't, then he needs to reevaluate his position here. <laughs> last like two weeks. The last like two weeks has been like we've decided the day of pretty much that we're not recording or that I will not be recording, and 
we just it just happens that way. Super irresponsible. So then we just get around to. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we are trying to be better about it, though. That's why we're doing this tonight, and then we can actually get it on Patreon like earlier than promised, instead of not at all. So we're, again, this we're, is the more responsible. But hey, we were creating content though, so really, if at you know, if Adam's got a problem with it, we were creating content. I but we didn't talk about any of it. Oh yeah, we talked about your backflips. That was that's all that happened Sunday. Yeah, it did, but it's still something to talk okay. about. We need another question. You guys want another question? Let's, answer, want let's okay. answer some more questions. Okay, Travis Angle asks droop setups, pen springs. If so, what brand of pen do you like to steal the springs from or spend cash on droop shocks? I typically just rob banks Shocks. for their pens. Don't most banks yeah. have them tied to the counter? You can't do that anymore? That doesn't stop me. <laughs> I'm sure it does. I keep, I, just, I keep it real. I don't believe you. <laughs> okay. No, I've never done the pen, the <laughs> pen spring mod with that. Like, it, For whatever reason, the way that I set my rigs up, if they're not like totally full droop, but they're close, but they all still have the regular springs that came on them. So. Yeah. So, so what's the pen spring thing? I'm out of the loop here. Okay. So basically, uh, Travis has he's been messaging me and he's been asking questions about setting up his car, and I said if you know like I don't know what it is because I believe he's also like I think closer to the East Coast, but I've heard from a lot of East Coast people right now they're all about setting up a quote unquote cheater rig, aka belly dragger. And they want to know, like, oh, what's the best chassis, or can I make it out of this? And I kind of told him, I said, you know, when he asked me that question, I said, I use a regular Axial SCX-10 chassis. I didn't use anything special. I just adjusted the shocks, went more of, like, what you would call a droop uh, to keep it sucked down. And he goes, well, how do you do that? Well, I sent him a video um, from YouTube where a guy took one of those, um, you know, the, the pens with, like, the four colors in it? And he basically took oh, the, yeah, yeah. he took each he took each um, spring out because they're all equal and put it in all you know underneath the piston, uh, so that way like you'd still have the shock pulling down to create the lower ride height and the lower center of gravity, but you'd still have the outer spring, so it's got some sort of rebound when it goes the other direction. Um, so typically, what I've done in the past. Um, like when I did Michelle's dad's Wraith, I actually went to Ace Hardware and went, excuse me, in the spring section and found springs that would fit. And like I would like, I was literally sitting there like squeezing each one of them to see like the kind of like how stiff they were or if they were, you know, super soft to try and say, okay, that seems like it would work. And you just kind of like experiment. But I mean, typically any of the clicking ballpoint pens, you can take those springs. And the reason why a lot of people use pen springs is because the pens are almost like the perfect resistance because it's not too soft, but it's not too hard because you got to remember everybody's supposed to, sorry, there goes my mouse. Um, everybody's, uh, there's, uh, you're supposed to be able to like click the pen. And if it doesn't click, you know, obviously someone's gonna have a hard time. So, 
uh, your crawler should be more than strong enough to, you know, compress that. So that's why everybody uses the pen, and that's what the pen mod typically is called. Yeah, because the weight of the wheel is what's going to be pulling against that pen spring since it's underneath your piston. Interesting. Maybe I'll have to send okay. Travis a video too. Yeah, it's I I don't know why it's so popular because I'm not sure if people really need it, you know. And I see a lot of guys like replacing good shocks with like not so great shocks, like Desert Lizards or whatever those boom racing thingies are. And uh, I mean, I like a droop setup is good for like just straight up rock crawling, you know, like really serious crawling. But if you like do lots of other stuff with your rig and everything you're it's not going to be that great so i i don't know i do everything with the stock suspension on my stuff and it, it's just fine i mean it sits probably three quarters of the way through its travel you know so it's got a little bit of up travel and then a lot more down travel just to keep the tire on the ground but i don't know i, I don't really feel like it's necessary on every rig but that's just me yeah and to, to also answer the other part of that question, like, I've also purchased, um, I think in, not Incision, G-Made makes a set of shocks. They're called the Transitions, if I'm not mistaken. And um, you those shocks come with an internal spring, just like, you know, how you would have one external spring, but they go on the inside, and it goes under the piston, and it's just designed to work that, that way. Um, I have those on one of my trucks, and it works, you know, and it works fine for that rig. Like every rig is really going to be different, and it's going to handle differently. The only thing is, like, if someone's going to go purchase those shocks, I learned the hard way. Don't order. What's the? Let's think of like. You almost have to order reverse, if that makes sense. Like when I ordered my first set, I ordered. I think they were like 96 or 98 millimeters. Well, the problem with that is when you set these shocks up, the 98 millimeter is what it's going to be at at its ride height. Oh, so, so like fully no... collapsed, it's 90 millimeters. Yeah. Oh wow. So, so it's so when it extends, it's going to go the opposite direction. So it's going to get a lot longer. So like what you actually have to do is order the size smaller. So like I think it was like 80 something millimeters. So like 81 or 82, I think, was what it was. And that's going to be what it's at. It collapsed, and then it'll extend outward. So, you know, just keep that in mind if you're buying those shocks. Yeah. So. Very cool. Okay. Uh, his next question was, uh, any advantages of IFS? Still haven't. Uh... Scale appearance. <laughs> Scale appearance, definitely. Um, side hilling, definitely. Um, aside from that, I haven't gotten a chance to do any serious crawling with the one I just built, but I kind of just threw everything at it, so we'll see how it does. Just need the sweet need the time to actually go try it. Very cool. Okay. Um, if you run small milliamp batteries, like thirteen to fifteen hundred milliamp, how many do you need to for a fun trail day many you're gonna need a minimum of four Probably. depending on how long your trail day is i'll kill a five thousand pack in a trail day yeah that's why i'm saying it all really depends because um typically like on some of my rigs i can hit like let's say like I, i've done it before too crawl for a cure 
Um, I've run my smaller battery packs, like my tw my 2000 to 2500 milliamp, and um, I've gone through two of those just to get through, you know, 150 gates. Um, so really, it depends on how much you're on the throttle. But if you're going to go that small to like something of closer to 1500, you're going to definitely need a minimum of four because the best way to sit, I guess, the best way to describe it is you're probably going to get anywhere from like 30 to 45 minutes per battery on in a crawler on a 1500 milliamp battery. Yeah, and if it's a lot of wide open driving, that's going to run them down even quicker. Yeah. So if you're like on trails so, and it's a lot of like, you know, just comfortable walking pace, like you're going to go through batteries like crazy. And that's also why I said it depends on what you call a fun trail day because some people are like, oh, I'm, I only want to hit the trail for an hour or two. That's a fun trail day. Well, then you're only going to, I would bring like two or three. Yeah. Now, if you like, oh, no, I'm going to be out there for six hours, well, then you better start packing them. <laughs> yeah, that that sounds a little bit more like me. Like, a fun trail day for me is, like, come home after it's dark. So, it just kind of depends. Yeah. Um, next question is from Greg Thrailkill. Optimal weight of a crawler. I see a lot of people putting mass amounts of brass, and I see a lot of people stripping everything. What applications would you want a light rig, and when would you want a heavy one, and is there a perfect weight? Mm, man, that is such a relative question because it just depends on what you're doing and where. Like, location has so much to do with it. I mean, I think we well, can say a perfect weight, no. Yeah, and the, yeah, there, there, I think that, there isn't I think such a, a thing fair straight. There. Yeah, there's an average well, weight, but that's, you know, whatever. The only thing I wanted to say was... To me, I've never really found a heavy rig to perform well, period, because it's heavier, so that means it's going to take more to get going. It's going to take more to stop. Um, you're going to be co uh, compensating for certain stuff. Like, that's typically why your rig gets super heavy. Um, you know, I'm going to use um, Elio as an example here. He's got some pretty heavy rigs lately, but a lot of that has to do with hard body. He's adding a lot of metal like um, like flat fenders, cages, bumpers, you know, so all that gets heavy. So now to counteract all that, you know, chassis up weight, he's adding weight down to the axles to overcompensate how heavy the body is. And then you end up with like a 10-pound pig when you're done. And it's yeah. just like, you know, for crawling, they're just, I mean – he even knows it too. He says it. He goes, there's certain things he looks at it. He goes, I'm not even attempting that because my rig's not going to make it up or he's scared to go down it because the thing's just going to like free fall because it's so heavy. Yeah. Um, typically, that's why I've always tried to find, you know, try to keep it light on top and if you're going to add any weight, add it down low to keep it planted um, and that's really my only recommendation. Yeah, it's kind of same with us. I mean, we touched on this a long time ago, but it like, I don't know, the advantage of a light rig, and this was something I noticed just going down to Axial Fest, is like, if you run in a lot of dirt, a lighter rig seems to work better because it stays on top of the sand and the dirt better. Um, a heavier rig, as I found out, tends to sink and dig down. Um, but where we live, it's raining a lot. We have a lot of like moss and stuff on rocks and wet surfaces and everything and so here a heavier rig performs better just based you know because of where we live but uh 
you know, I, I don't know. It's it with a heavy rig, it all depends on where you're putting that weight. I mean, my rigs are all yeah, probably that's... around nine and I only add weights to the wheels and that's it. Yeah. Like think of it. I mean, that, yeah, that doesn't mean go out and throw 40 grams of, of brass on each end of the axle. You know, yeah. it's like, it, it's, it's all gotta be relative. Yeah. I mean, to speak to that is that my when when we went to Axial Fest, I had a uh, just pretty much bone stock SCX10 with a uh, Recon G6 body, I think is what it was, uh-huh. and pretty much left it the way it was with the IROC tires. And we went down there, and it was uh, it did great at Axial Fest, and then up here it did it did all right, but it did really good down there. Yeah, you know, so it's like it, it's a lot about where you put it. You know, and not just throwing brass everything you can everywhere. That doesn't help. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's really what it like comes down to. The, some of it's getting ridiculous now, like brass bumper mounts and stuff. It's like, why in the hell would you ever do that? I mean, it's just the most foolish waste of money. And honestly, it's just these companies that are overseas that are making the stuff like that. They're just preying on people's ignorance because brass is the hot thing right now, and everybody wants to put brass on stuff. So let's make everything yeah, it's, brass. It's yeah, right now. It, so exactly. Well, and it's it's a lot of people that are new brass. and don't know any better. You know, we see it all the time well, on these yeah. pages. You know, it's you know. So what brass upgrades do I get? This is my first crawler. You know, so it's it's a lot of people like that. But I mean, I. That's also why we do what we do. So. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean. I don't know with there, there is no perfect like weight or anything like that. Like I've had rigs that are pretty lightweight and they're okay here, but the heavier ones definitely do better. And like I explained, you know, it's just because of where we are geographically, it's just kind of how it is. But most of mine are around nine ish pounds, I want to say. And I don't know, like there's kind of a checklist I have for when I build something like it's got to have an interior, um, I drive for Proline and all my bodies are Lexan. So, you know, do a Lexan body with an interior. Uh, recently, I did some sort of cage in the back. I did like two kind of mock truggy builds and I used plastic cages just for the sake of appearance versus performance. You know, you're always trying to maintain that balance. And so that's why, you know, I made the choice to run like plastic honcho style cages on the two trucks that I recently built. So it's just. I don't know. It's, yeah. it, it, it's all where you put the weight. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, next question is from Brad Geck. He says, EPX kit installed. What shock angle are you guys preferring? Also, what link position in the rear? Well, thank you, Brad. Thanks, Brad. Um, link position. Um, let's see. It's the third hole in from the front so if you're going left to right it would be the third hole back on the first row is what i'm running right now and then as far as shock angle um it's mostly to kind of help set your ride height like if you're looking for like you know a belly dragger setup mount them more inboard towards the center of the vehicle um if you need them to be a little bit stiffer and uh maintain a little bit higher ride height, stand them up straighter. And that's, that's really, I don't know. Can you think of anything else, Trav? No, I think that that covers it pretty, pretty fair. I typically am 
on the shock mounts, I am typically the first set of holes that you come to on them. So they'd be the holes that are closest to the shock towers. Yeah. And then up or down, depending on what body and everything else is on it. So, but that should, yeah, that should exactly. be enough to get them started. Yeah, no, for sure. After that, just fine tuning based off of what he prefers. Yep. Um, next question or not really a question. It's Elliot. It's the intern. Intern. Um, I, intern, I'm a wait and see if you talk about your new build and save my questions for next week, if so. No, I'm not talking about the new build to anybody. But All right, we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> so am I supposed to, you know, spill the beans on the new build? No. <laughs> no, like... I don't think he's ready yet. No, you guys... Brad doesn't even know about it yet. Um... Elliot knows, you two know, and Ty knows, and that's it. That's so cool. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. Right. It's going to hurt feelings. Dan Sutherland asks, uh, how is 3D printing going, Jay? Mm, it's going. <laughs> uh, I, so I found, sure? Dude, I found an awesome file today. And I went to print it, and I could not get it to adhere to the bed for the life of me. And I think it's part of how, part of the way it's laid out, it doesn't have a whole lot of supports on it. And so it's basically like falling off the bed and just getting stuck to the head and just dragging around for an hour until I notice it. Um, but it was, uh, there was a file on my mini factory for three bucks, and it's three different uh, axial interior driver helmets that you can choose from. And uh, two of the three have um, the hose fitting for the Parker air pumpers. And there's one on top, like you see a lot of the Formula One guys have, and then there's one for on the side to put your fresh air system on. And so I saw those, I was like, oh, that's huh. badass. That would be perfect for the new build. And, um, yeah, it just, it's trying to print like this big helmet on this tiny little pedestal looking thing. And it's just not going to work. You can't select any supports in your slicer. Um, if you can, I haven't found where to do it at yet. Like it's that, what's it called? Uh, it's Creality slicer, I think is just what it's called. Um, yeah, okay. Creality Slicer. It is definitely, well, so I have a Ender 3 Pro, and it's definitely like an entry-level printer, you know, for like a hobbyist. And uh, it's, I, I think that the slicing program is catering to people like me that shouldn't be messing with stuff like that in the first place. I mean, I guess that's fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll have to look at it, but... Yeah, there, I'm sure there's some other settings that you can go into, but you just have um, the resolution that you want it to print at, you know, where it's like fine, low, high, medium, whatever. Yeah. And then uh, you can choose from ABS or PLA, and that's it. There, there's really... Oh, and you yeah. can, as far as like the base, you can have it be a brim or another kind of little whatever that little structure is that it glues down you know it lays down that first like kind of mat you know that holds everything yeah yeah the brim yeah so that's really okay. your only choices unfortunately but no i just i haven't had a whole lot of chance to you know chances to play with it yet but 
I think that between Trav and I, we can probably get it figured out if next time he's up this direction. But uh, to answer... I'll, I'll download it and see if I can find my way around it. Yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, in answer to your question, it, it, it's going. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. Um... Uh, Douglas Gunter asks, why am I seeing guys slam their no-prep cars? I mean the chassis. Then the arms are all jacked upwards. I would think it would handle like poo, or is it a secret handling thing that I am just not getting? Um, I mean, it, it really, it's just a, a lot of it is airflow right now. A lot of it is airflow because, right, I mean, you want to keep as much air going over and around the body as possible, not under it. If you got air going under the car, then you end up with issues like I have. Where it's getting right? trapped. Or, you know, yeah, the air is trapped, has nowhere to go. I mean, people cut out the rear of their bodies, but it's it doesn't totally help if you're going wheels up and you can't seem to get it down while you're in the throttle, right? So you, know, you have issues like that. That's really what it's about. I mean, it doesn't make it handle any worse. I'd I, I definitely don't think that because you got to remember. I mean, these cars were not meant necessarily for going straight. These cars were meant for jumping and and turning and all this sort of thing on various surfaces. So, I mean, handling not really the big concern anyhow. Just because it's we're just trying to get them to go straight. So, but I mean, it, I it's just. Just trying to control the direction of the airflow. Yeah, trying to control the direction of the airflow, and then obviously, I mean, any any way you can lower your CG of any circumstance is is also pretty good too. So I mean, it's there's definitely no negatives of it. That's for sure. Yeah. But yeah. It's fun. Try it. Um. Yeah. Um. Jeremy Kim, what do you guys think of the new Enduro? He just bought one today. Yeah, he did the lucky dog. Mm-hmm. I think it's rad. And I can't wait to have one. Yeah. Yeah, we kinda we kinda talked about it when uh when it was released. Yeah, the thing is I think our opinions of it and everything. Yeah, we did. No, pretty sweet. I'm okay. glad that he got one. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, I think he's doing an unboxing video or something tomorrow. Oh, good. Which will be June 24th, Wednesday. We should have so, that and share that for him. Yeah, I agree. Um, Jason Protocol Martinell, what or who knows the best setup for overdrive for axial crawlers? Best setup for overdrive? There's really only one setup. It's either you throw... Well, depends on what rig. If it's an SCX-10-2, they only have overdrive gears for the front axle. If it's the old school, um, like the Gen 1 style, you could actually do overdrive and underdrive, or do stock in the front, underdrive in the rear. So that's really it. There's not like a perfect setup, though, because again, it's like what you're doing with it and where you're driving. Yeah. yeah, and what's really funny is it's like I really haven't like ventured back towards the overdrive and underdrive setup uh, since I got away from the Gen 1 stuff. 
Yeah, it's, that's what happened with me until the Element came out. Like, all of our XCX-102s that we had, I never messed with overdrive in any of those. But the original ones, I, I totally did. But even, you know, once that, like, Hot Racing 19-tooth pinion or whatever was available, I, I still never, like, bought it or anything to overdrive the front end on a 2. I just never felt like it needed it. Exactly. So, um, yeah, so I don't know if... That, that's really, if that helps you at all, but I mean, um, it really depends on what rig you're using. If, like I said, if you're going Gen One style, there's like three different ways you can set up the rig. If it's an SCX102, there's really only one. And I'm assuming, since they use the same gears from the SCX102 for the 103, you'd be in the same boat as far as you could only do overdrive. Yeah, Element. It's you either have you know just a one-to-one ratio i think there's like five percent and then 11.86 percent um i messed with like a 25 percent overdrive on hpi venture and honestly the surface that we drive on up here is so grippy like it had climb but it was so grippy trying to go in between you know from obstacle to obstacle that it was actually starting to bind and i was smoking motors because of it so i mean there there can be too much of a good thing which is overdrive (laughs) um but no like i've heard people say that like with the element that you know if you do a lot of trail stuff you don't want to have overdrive but it doesn't create any issues with the 11.86 you know it's pretty pretty conservative for the most part as far as most people's overdrive setups and the car turns a lot better with it and uh, you're gonna be able to climb up even like loose dirt surface surfaces a little bit better if it than if it was set up with a one-to-one gear ratio so it uh no it's it just depends on what you're doing with it but be careful because like i said you know if you're on a high bite surface and you've got a lot of driving from obstacle to obstacle you can start smoking motors because it will bind especially if you're you know have a lot of traction and sticky tires so something to look out for sweet okay um our last question comes from jared bluen he asks do you think we'll see scale interiors in drag cars? How about four-link solid axle? Travis, I hope you get some, quote, decisive, unquote, victories <laughs> tomorrow. Well, well. That's awesome. This guy. Everybody's a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope so, too. <laughs> um, yeah, so that scale interiors, rad. solid axles. I don't know. Hard to say. I, I, I think it'd be cool. I, I think it'd be rad if they came out with some more scale stuff for them. I mean, I'd snatch up an interior in a heartbeat. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, the interior thing would be awesome. Yeah, I agree on that one also. Plus, it's a really good way to help redirect airflow underneath that body, too, because then, you know, if you can try and keep it out of the cab area of the body that's helpful yeah that's true i don't know if the solid axle thing had ever happened but it'd be cool if somebody did it i'd like to see it done yeah that i would like to see it would be really cool i don't know yeah i don't know i'm kind of indifferent 
I don't know what to expect. I don't think it'll happen. Yeah, from I'm a not expecting it, but I sure would like to see it. I think it'd be sick. I think someone will do it at some point, but I think the manufacturer just won't won't do it just because they're gonna want to try and do it like everyone else. Yeah, exactly. So hard to blame them, but yeah, a lot of people talked about it in the beginning, though. A lot of people. I mean, a lot of people still do. Yeah. Really. At least from everything on all the discussion that I've been seeing. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, but that was our last question, so that uh, that covers it. We actually did pretty well on those. Yeah, definitely. We had a lot of them. It didn't take us nearly as long as I thought it would. Right yeah. on. I think we're about at that time, too, so. Yeah. Perfect timing. Awesome. Okay. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. We will catch all yeah. of you later. Yeah. See you. See you. <laughs>